I told you I wasn't going to take much time off. A view of fatherhood from a generation away. Would you believe that it was November the 22nd, 2014, at 11.31 p.m. when I wrote down that title and began to think about today's show? And I finally got around to recording it. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio 3.1. It's getting hot here in Dallas. I did record this during dry dock. But that's the great thing about podcasting. You can kind of do whatever you want when you want. Uh, Today is Thursday, June the 29th, 2023. We've got the July 4th holiday coming up. We just had... Well, we just had Father's Day just a couple of weeks ago. And so, yeah, that's what kind of prompted me to go ahead and hit the record button for a show that I've been thinking about for nine years. That's really a lie. I've been thinking about it a whole lot longer than nine years. It was wintertime when I started noodling around, writing the title, making some notes. Hard to even imagine winter right now. 100 degrees in the shade and all that. And of course, November the 22nd, we were about a week away, less than a week away or so from the holiday season kicking off when I first began to jot down some of these notes. The holiday season here in America begins Thanksgiving week and pretty much runs all the way through New Year. You know, families gather around big tables filled with all that great healthy food, including the one that is most appropriately named stuffing, because that's what we do. We stuff ourselves. And here in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, we've got that little football game that began in 1966 with the either beloved or absolutely hated Dallas Cowboys and then college teams they're getting in on the action now and for many families uh, especially among the uh, the men who sit in the room in front of that television maybe the bigger game is to see who's going to stay awake how long can we stay awake to try to watch all this football but it's a day of celebration it's a day of giving thanks mostly I think And even people that don't think about God or even believe in God may find themselves giving some thanks to something or somebody for the food on their table on Thanksgiving day. But mostly I think it's about being surrounded by friends and family and it, I think it can cause even the most callous person to whisper quietly, you know, this is nice. This is nice. Now, not all thank yous are filled with spotlights. Not all thank yous involve some loud public address system and a bunch of fanfare Some thanks just happen in our head very quietly. And that was what was happening with me about nine years ago when I first jotted down these kinds of notes and began to think about this and whatever ideas I had in mind back then of what kind of a show this would be, I can't remember. I didn't make that many notes about it, but the title stuck with me and I remember 
getting some photographs together. Cause you know, when you get older and your tribe has increased, I think you may be more prone to giving thanks. Uh, I have been. And when I say tribe, I don't mean that Seth Godin version of tribe. Seth Godin, he's this marketing kind of a guru guy. And he talks about tribes and he means those folks that are willing to buy your stuff. That certainly is a tribe. It's just not the way I mean it. I, I mean, family. I mean, I mean the really closest tribe. No offense, but you're not part of the tribe. I'm happy you're here. You're listening to the podcast and all. And I guess I would consider you part of a different tribe, but I'm talking about this, this tribe. Listen, you and I, we're friends and I've got great appreciation for you. I I certainly don't minimize friendship, but the tribe, including me is about 10. It's no, it's not about, it is 10 people. And five of them are kids. And then of course the holiday season wraps up with that new year's Eve celebration where generally people go from eating more than they should on Thanksgiving day to spending more than they should on Christmas and then drinking too much on new year's Eve. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a holiday of excess. And for quite a few, it's more about excess and overdoing it than it is about anything else. But Listen, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you choose to live during that holiday time of year, or even here we are in the dead of summer and the sweltering heat here in Texas. The summertime is about vacations and kids are out of school and it's still, it's about spending time with each other. And if Thanksgiving day is a day to consider what we are most thankful for, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day certainly are days to reflect on the previous year and to ponder what the new year may bring. And during the summer is that perhaps that period of respite where uh, we're hopeful. I hope you're hopeful. It's ironic to me that New Year's Day is the time when many people resolve to make some improvement, those New Year's resolutions and all that. And even those studies report that most of those fail and frankly, rather quickly. Less than 3% of all resolutions ever come to fruition. Personally, I think that's generous. I, I, I think it's probably way lower than 3% of resolutions. But here we sit in June, and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about cooler times, temperature-wise. And I'm always thinking about family. I'm always thinking about the people who surround me. I'm particularly thinking about the ones who call me dad or Papa, which is what the grandkids call me. I don't need to wait until a holiday to realize the responsibility that I have, the responsibility that we all have to our tribe, that clan of people that we are closest to either by blood kinship or by marriage. You know, when you're a father, it's mostly, a, it's mostly the responsibility that you feel toward your children. Well, when your children are grown and married and have families of their own, the responsibility that you feel toward your children and their spouses and their children, your grandchildren, as the tribe broadens like that, you, you certainly, there are more people to think about. There are more people to take into consideration. And if you think about it too much, I suppose the enormity of the circumstance could, it could certainly buckle your knees, but it might give you greater resolve. It might give you greater purpose. And 
for me, oddly enough, it does both at the same time. I was almost 21 when I became a husband. I was 23 when I first became a father and that was a long, long time ago. It was August 17, 1980. It was the hottest summer on record for consecutive 100 degree days, at least in this part of the country. And to tell you that my wife was miserable that summer would be a gross understatement, but we had a son. We had a son and we named him Ryan. And then oh, over 10 years ago, my son had a son. It wasn't his first child, but it was his first son. And just like that, there were three generations of us males in the family. My father is 99 and that makes four generations alive simultaneously ages 99, 66, 42, and 10. And well, then another one came along eight, you know, it's an average span of 30 plus years between generations that run from 1922 to the present year of 2023. And my fatherhood is now a generation away. You could say four times over. I got five grandkids. Now it depends on how you calculate a generation, but you understand what I mean. It's an odd thing. It's just an odd thing. It's an odd thing. And I don't know how you can really prepare for it. Maybe it's not so different from fatherhood in that regard, Uh, but it's very different from fatherhood in a practical way. Because it's just a different burden of responsibility. It's a different, it's a different feeling altogether. And so I began thinking some years ago when the first Cantrell grandson was born, that our family name generationally was deepening until some of us fade from view. It's going to deepen and then it's going to shrink because well, death does that. And the odds are statistically speaking, my father is going to be the first to fade. He's healthy. He's doing well. And come September, Lord willing, he will celebrate his 100th birthday. About five years ago or so, he lost two siblings. They were the only siblings that were surviving. And now he alone, he is left alone among seven. And his brothers and sisters, they didn't all pass based on their ages. So I don't think he ever, in fact, I know he never figured that he would quite literally be the last man standing, but here he is. Time marches on with or without us. I'm happy. He's still marching along with time, even if the pace is considerably slower, but so is mine. And this isn't a podcast about preferences. This isn't about a son versus a daughter. This is merely the namesake reality of a family tradition, a family name, and how the generations of a family have been viewed since the beginning of time. I've got family, members of my tribe, none of whom share my last name, but they are still family in every sense of the word. And there is absolutely zero love lost simply because there's a difference in our names. My youngest grandson is Kason Randy Kentrell. Poor kid doesn't stand a chance. I think the first week of his life, that was about eight years ago, he did have my sleep habits. So there was that. He he got past it. I can tell you right now, he got past it. 
because he can fall asleep in church pretty easily. <laughs> I'm not sure what else we have in common, but he is the youngest of these generations. And I'm pretty sure time is going to tell what similarities as well as what differences there may be. But this really isn't about my family so much as it is about fatherhood and particularly fatherhood with a son and mostly fatherhood as you get further down the line or further up the road, or maybe it's further down the drain. I think, I think that's it. I think it's further down the drain. This view, this view today in 2013, this view is different 42 years later. My son will turn 43 later this summer. And I can tell you as a dad, few things are better than seeing a son do well. Because just a couple of weeks ago on June 18th, there was Father's Day. And around Father's Day, there were the usual conversations that I would embark, as it seems I always do every year, with dads and dads particularly who talk about sons and talk about sometimes how sons were better than dad at something dad used to be pretty good at. There are all the conversations of playing games with the kids and forcing the kids to be competitive and not giving them a win. But the day coming where junior beats dad at something and he legitimately just beats dad. It could be something as inane as checkers or something a little more physical like arm wrestling. But you hear dads talk about golfing and being pretty good at golf and taking the kids out, teaching the kids to play golf. And one day, finally, you know, junior, he beats dad at golf first time ever, those kinds of things. And some, some dads don't handle that so well. Me, I listen, that's been the objective all along. That's the whole point here. I mean, I've never held myself as the standard for my son to beat. If, if, if all my son has to do is best me, well, hello, Bill. Set your sights a little bit higher, won't you? I've, I have hoped as a father to provide my son with a solid example to follow. One that he could and hopefully would build something much, much better and much, much bigger. Learning from my life has always been the goal. Learn from my life. That includes the good, the bad, the ugly. Which is why... I'm so open with communication and always have been at home. Frankly, I am everywhere, but there've been lots and lots and lots and lots of candid conversations at home. It has just been the way that we have operated in my family. I don't know how your family operates. It's none of my business and I don't care. I'm not trying to impose. I'm just sharing. My son grew up hearing me say, I'm not the dad who's going to die leaving things unsaid. I'm going to, instead I'm, and I've always said it with a bit of a chuckle, but it's completely true. I'm the dad who's going to die. Probably haven't said too much. And that's not driven by verbosity. That's driven by the fact that I've never wanted other people, especially my family. I don't want anybody to wonder. I wonder what he meant by that. Or I wonder what he might be feeling. Or I wonder, I wonder how much he cares. I'm, does he care? It's listen, it, this is hard. It's hard for me, even as self-proclaimed wordsmith to put into words, how I feel about the growth, the improvement and the successes of my son. And now that we are well into our fourth decade together, it's even more special. 
and it's even more difficult to put it into words. I was feeling this nine years ago, and only you can imagine now how much more deeply I feel these things. When a son eclipses a father, the satisfaction, the happiness, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I have lived my entire life as a son. I have lived almost 46 years of my life as a husband. I have lived almost 43 years as a father, as a dad. So I know what I'm talking about. You know, dads watch, watching their kids play sports. This is where you mostly see dads that really want their kids to excel because too many, they see themselves through their kids. That's not, that's not their son out there playing. It's them. And so if their son isn't among the best players on the team, you know, the kid that makes the, all the difference in the world for the team winning or losing, then dad ain't happy. And usually the rest of us, we see this and we hear this. We see it and we hear it when he, while he is incessantly coaching his kid from the stands, or if he may be the actual coach on the team, that's, that's a really bad deal. Or we see it in between innings when he goes to the fence to push this kid. I'm being kind push is the most appropriate word I can think of, but sometimes it's absolute harassment and torment. I see it in six and under sports. I see it in little kids, dads, pressuring kids to perform well, because, well, you know, come on, it's, it's, it's your DNA out there. It's your kid out there. Counter that counter that with the dad whose son performs well, maybe, maybe even far better than anything dad could have ever done at that age. And while I think many are proud, I would hope that most are proud. I would love to say every, all of them are proud. You sometimes you see a dad who struggles to understand his new place in his son's life, right? This place where, okay, your coaching is no longer needed. It, if it ever was, cause now junior is out here. Junior is doing really, really well. He's doing better than you ever did and already probably knows more. It happens. I remember one of my favorite public presentations was a Ted talk by Sir Ken Robinson. You can Google it. I've talked about it ad nauseum because it's just so terrific. And he, he, he makes a joke about Shakespeare's father or, well, he, he really, he opens it by, (laughs) he opens it by talking about Shakespeare having an English teacher, like how ridiculous would that be? Mm -hmm. Uh, It happens. It happens. It happened to me. It has happened to me. It's going to keep happening to me in so many different areas of life because my son isn't me and I'm blessed because of it. He is his own person. He is his own man, but he's my son and I'm as proud as I can be of who he is, who he has become. And I'm very optimistic who he will grow to become. And he has passed me by so many times. I I mean, at this point, he's just lapping me now. And my question is, what could be better? I mean, what could be better than for a father to have a son that is just, is just absolutely running circles around you. I frequently encounter dads whose sons are they're They're just failing to progress on multiple fronts. You, You see a whole lot written today about kids who are living at home. And I encounter this more frequently than I would have ever expected to a decade ago. 
dads who've got kids and are like, yeah, I don't, I just don't think they're ever going to leave home. I, I see and I listen to the angst of some fathers talking about sons again on multiple fronts where, you know, junior just has not developed, is just not grown, is still just battling to figure it out. Well, maybe not even battling to figure it out. And dad would hope that the kid would battle to figure it out. And I see their angst. I listen to it. I kind of sort of understand it as much as a person that hasn't experienced it can understand it's not my own. It is not my own. And in those conversations, I'm, I'm the guy who's just going to sit there like a mummy. I'm, I'm going to get really, really quiet because it's not my experience. It's not my experience as a dad to my son in my coaching practice over at growgreat.com. The reality is my client's success is my success. And I tell them that all the time because it's just 100% true. And in fatherhood, it's the same goal. My pride in a client's growth, my pride in my son's success is a really similar kind of a feeling for me. Both include a high personal investment. And that personal investment only has to do with how I may be able to influence them. How can I impact them? How can I help them in their journey to figure this out? They are themselves they're not me and i'm not them but i'm deeply connected and there's no separating that i was happy then i'm happier now you know a kid's perspective versus an adult's perspective and all that there's often quite a difference a young dad's perspective been there done that an old dad's perspective now that's where i'm at well they're not the same with five grandkids now i've got a viewpoint i did not always have I mean, that that's as it should be. Come on. The podcast is leaning toward wisdom. And it's the very point of this podcast. It's growth. It's increased self-awareness. It's wisdom. It's not just the pursuit of wisdom, but it's the catching of it. I was happy then I'm happier now. Well, happy is a word that conjures up. I think for me, happy. I only use that word because it's the common vernacular of the culture. But to me, it just kind of conjures up images of gleeful pleasure. And that's not how I mean it. For me, when I say I was happy then, I'm happier now. And I'm talking in the context of my fatherhood. For me, a better, more accurate term would be contentment. And yet for most people, I don't think that word quite bespeaks how I feel. Because people mostly, I th they think of contentment as in, it's all fine. It's all fine. No, for me, it's way better than just being fine. It's really good. It's fulfilling. It is deeply satisfying. That's how I mean contentment. And that's really the better word for me. I was contented then. I'm more contented now. I was happy then. I'm happier now. I'm far happier now as a father of this son than I was then. Mostly because then when I was a young father, and he was a little boy, I, I was hopeful. Okay, but the future is so unknown. I was hoping to get it more right than wrong. I was hoping that this little boy would grow up and understand what I was trying desperately to accomplish for him in spite of the fact that I was sometimes just dreadful at it, hoping that he would grow up to forgive my many shortcomings, hoping he would figure this out, hoping he would mostly get things right. 
praying that he would learn wisdom and he would exercise it in his life, praying that the lessons that we were trying to teach about God and the Lord's church would be deeply instilled into him, so deeply that he would never forsake it. I mean, these and many other things, these were my hopes. These were my goals. It's not easy. It's not easy to be happy. And when those are hopes and goals and you're right in the middle of the fight, for me at least, it was kind of hard to be happy because the future was so largely unknown. And now that I'm at least a generation away from those days, I can tell you that I'm happier because today is proof. Today is proof that those dreams, those aspirations, those goals, those efforts, and those prayers have been answered because my son is a better man than me, and I could not be happier about it. Well, since I was taking a break from it during Father's Day, you dads out there, happy belated Father's Day. I can't pretend how moms feel because I'm not one, but I know how dads feel, or at least I know how I feel. And whatever lessons you're trying to pass on to your kids, sons or otherwise, just know this. We have to lead by example. Communication and talk, they're great things. But we really have to show them the way. I'm very blessed in that today my son and I are extremely close. And one of my darkest, darkest, darkest moments as a father to this son was when he came to me and he said, I'm going to move away. Yeah, you talk about it. You talk about uh, amplifying my insomnia. Rond will tell you, I walked a lot of miles in the neighborhood in the wee hours of the morning. And I did it nearly every night that he was gone. And fast forward a little bit, and he came back home. And he wasn't a prodigal, but I couldn't help but think about the dad and the story of the prodigal son. You know, looking out at the lane every day, just waiting to see the silhouette of your son coming home. And he came home, and I couldn't have been happier. part of the journey, part of the process of figuring it out. And I'm proud to say that he's largely got it figured out. He gets high marks from me and he'll be the first to tell you that I can be, I can be rather critical in the sense that my expectations are extraordinarily high. I've told you this before. For me, it's not criticality. For me, it's optimism. For me, it's the innate belief we can do better we can always do better let's keep digging for it let's keep pushing for it let's keep figuring out a way to just every day get a little bit better he's done well and i'm proud and now 
he's where I once was. Now he's got the burden. As a father of two sons, he's got to do all that stuff that I was doing with him. Pushing, cajoling, communicating, praying, hoping, doing everything we can to pass it on. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. This is Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. <laughs>